right, well, once again, welcome back to the Theology Doesn't Suck podcast, where, as always, hopefully, theology doesn't suck. Uh, for those of you who don't know me yet, my name is Josh Patterson. I am one half of the dynamic duo here at Theology Doesn't Suck, and with me, as always, is the one and only Andy Herman. Hi, how's it going? I'm good, man. How are you? I'm good. I'm excited. Tonight's going to be a fun night. Yeah, I'm pretty excited too, man. And I actually, before we get going, I'm kind of interested. I see only half of it, but I see a flag uh, oh, yeah. in your background, and it, it looks like bacon and eggs, yes? It is. So it's a New Mexico flag. For those of you who have not seen the New Mexico flag, or maybe you have seen it, there's a Zia symbol. You should look it up because it's kind of hard to explain, but there's a Zia <laughs> symbol on the flag, and it's a circle with a bunch of lines coming out. So there's like there's four lines coming out of each side of the circle, so out of the top, the two sides, and the bottom. And this artist, this New Mexico artist, he's made a, a New Mexico flag where the circle is a fried egg and the lines are bacon strips. And I actually have that same logo, Josh, tattooed on my thigh. You do. Uh, which which you've seen. So <laughs> <laughs> I have. <laughs> I don't know what that says. I don't remember when you saw my thigh, but you did. That's that's um, a different episode, Andy. That's a different episode. <laughs> Yeah. Dude, that that so that is true. You do how many tattoos do you have now? Cause you like I think we used to be even, and then I started slacking, and you have you far really surpassed did. me. Yeah, you which just a honestly lot. just means you're tougher than I am, much more edgy, yeah. a lot cooler. Oh yeah, I'm way I'm way hardcore, man. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know <laughs> how many tattoos I have exactly, but I haven't gotten one in a while. It's been like at least five months now, I think. So it's kind of sad. Wow, really it's sad. been like a year for me. <laughs> wow. Well, it is sad, to, but, dude, you, you did, though, the American traditional style, mm-hmm. you definitely did inspire me, because the, the, my most recent piece on my back is American traditional style, and I really yeah, like I it, you, I'm you fond of it. Yeah, I think you sent me a picture of that. It's nice. Yeah, oh yeah, nice well, you showed me your thighs, so I only, you know, my back. Um, <laughs> it's only fair that you would show me your back, I guess, since <laughs> I showed you my thigh. It's only sure. fair. Well... <laughs> We might need to step away from this conversation. We have something cool today, right? (laughs) Yeah, speaking of thighs, I don't know how that's a segue, but today we're talking about pedo-baptism. Babies have Hmm. thighs. They Uh, do. So, and and when you baptize them, their thighs might get wet. (laughs) You never know. Uh, Also, their backs might get wet. And so today we're talking about pedo-baptism, which... Uh, if you don't know, pedo means like infant or child. So basically, to put it simply, pedo baptism is the belief that infants and small children should be baptized along with adults. The infants and small children who are children of believers, to be specific. And with us, we actually have uh, two very special guests. Um, one will probably do most of the talking, but uh, I have with me Mr. Adam Viramontes. Hello. I didn't know if that was the... That was the cue to say hi. Okay. Sorry. Yeah. Rarely my address by Mr. Mr. <laughs> Sorry. The the good Reverend Viramontes. That's more fun. Adam. Um, so <laughs> Adam is my pastor at the uh, PCA church that I am a member of. Well, becoming a member of currently since we just moved. Um, and then also with us is, and I'm really sorry, I don't know your last name, but Chastin. Cooper. Chastin Cooper. All right. And uh, apologies chastin's kind of far away from the mic we kind of pushed him out so if he sounds quiet that's why uh Hmm. but chastin cooper is also with us with us he is a member of mosaic pca which is the church that i attend adam pastors he's with us here tonight as well he uh also can't hear josh because we have a very ghetto setup um (laughs) but he, he may he may still chime in from time to time uh so we have these two wonderful guests with us and apparently uh, we found out last episode, every podcast says that their guests are very special. So oh, I'm yeah, going to say that you guys, you guys are our super duper guests. Wow. Yeah, I our feel, super duper right. guests. I feel honored. You should. We're rolling deep tonight. Oh, yeah. This is serious. <laughs> we so, go hard here. Oh, yeah. we. This is serious business, man. So, uh, Adam, would you mind, just for our listening audience, for our, what I don't know, what's smaller than dozens? 
ones uh, for our ones of adoring fans Jeez. for our couples of adoring fans <laughs> although that makes it sound like it's only couples that listen i don't think we That's have true. any couples that listen but for my our wife listens well sometimes sometimes <laughs> <laughs> for our single digits of adoring fans uh would you mind going ahead and just giving a little quick bio of yourself sure um uh yeah uh i um I've got a, a wife. Um, she, we've been married uh, almost 15 years now. We've got three pretty amazing kids, uh, a couple boys and a girl, all baptized. Um, let's see. Uh, That's good. Grew up, uh, was kind of grew up in, in Albuquerque, New Mexico. So I wasn't born here, but, but really uh, spent most of my uh, childhood and, and youth years here in Albuquerque and then journeyed away and traveled uh you know, we went west uh, to, to Arizona for college, down south a little bit, and, and I don't know if, if this is me kind of giving my spiritual journey or not, but that's that's kind of us in a nutshell a little bit. Awesome. And uh, how long have you been pastoring Mosaic for now? Yeah, so Mosaic is a pretty, pretty young church. Uh, we're coming up on three years uh, as a church, and uh, we, we planted the church, um, started in our living room. And so uh, what started with a couple families in our living room is now, uh, you know, a, a young, thriving, growing little church plant on the west side of Albuquerque. So we're, we're coming up on three years now. Uh, that is awesome. That. Praise yeah. God. Yeah. Very awesome. Well, uh, before we dive into the topic, Josh, do you have any burning questions for Adam? Any deep personal questions, preferably? Oh, man. Uh Oh, I got a super deep one. Okay. Uh, Adam, do you like ice hockey? Oh, Josh. <laughs> um, so, Josh, I'm Is that from too America. personal, too quick? <laughs> um, I'm an American, so I mostly watch football. Uh, um, okay. In fact, when I listened to your guys' introductory podcast and you started talking about hockey, um, I started immediately multi- shut it off. Multi-tap. Yeah, that's oh, no. when you shut uh, it off. I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> that's when you I shut it off. <laughs> I can't. I really can't chat about hockey. Mm-hmm. I know nothing about hockey mm-hmm. other than the season's really long. It is pretty and long. It's very difficult to watch on television, in my personal opinion. Wow. Okay, you want to know a sport that's difficult to watch on television? Television. Let's talk about baseball. Okay. Baseball okay. is so boring. <laughs> baseball is difficult to watch on that's television. That's fine. I, I will. I will You'll give agree that there? to you. Okay. Pick up baseball in about the seventh inning, and that's about fun. Yeah. yeah that's there pretty you much. go. But so Aston, you're a football fan then? Are you? Yeah, a, are you football. a hockey fan at all, Chester? I'm not. Okay. Man, I'm sorry. He's not a hockey fan. Well, you guys are disappointing me. Sorry, guys. Um, and I thought I was the heretic. Like so, so Josh. I think what we've learned though from this conversation is to get more listeners, we need to pretend to be really interested in football. Is that what? Yeah, I think think so. Okay, that would serve you well. All right. Did you see them? The Steelers the other day. They put the hurting on the Panthers. Yeah, they did. So which sucks because I'm I'm actually a Ravens fan because I'm from Baltimore. How about that Le'Veon Bell situation? I only know about Steelers stuff, so I don't know anything else about the NFL. Um, <laughs> which is which is why Andy and I are good friends. Yeah, Adam's actually uh, a Steelers fan, so yeah. Oh, really? Was, right was, on. Yeah, and and you like the Ravens, and I still yeah. I still like you, Josh. But man, that's not as much. Yeah. yeah, yeah. This re- this relationship might just not work out. Not it's starting off well. <laughs> the rocky start. You're a Credo Baptist, and you don't like, and you like the Ravens. Right. So that's yeah, right. I like the Ravens. Well, <laughs> I think. It's time to get to our topic for the night. Uh, Adam, yeah. today you you heard me talk about it before, and I think you knew before you got here. Um, we are talking about pedo-baptism. So if you could, just in a nutshell, I know, uh, obviously, you didn't grow up in a Christian home, you've told me, and then also when you first became a Christian, it wasn't necessarily in a pedo-baptist setting. Uh, so could you maybe just give us a little bit of what drew you to pedo-baptism or what kind of... Uh, what are some of like the biblical supports or some of the reasons that it was convincing for you? Yeah. So I guess I'll, I'll begin with my experiential journey towards pedo-baptism and then maybe uh, ground that in some biblical and theological stuff. Perfect. Um, so yeah, I grew, grew up in an unbelieving home. Um, I, I actually was baptized uh, in the Roman Catholic Church, um, mostly, um, mostly to, to satisfy 
grandma's curiosity and desires. So mm-hmm. we really weren't even uh, practicing Catholics, but I was baptized as an infant and became a Christian in college. So the way I really share my spiritual journey is I, ha- I had three stations along the way um, and they all had particular uh, settings in which they happened. So I, I became a Christian in a garage. Um, I became hmm. uh, I became a, a Calvinist um, in a, a, a seafood restaurant, and then I became <laughs> a pres- and then I became a Presbyterian in the Deep South. Hmm. Um, so that's kind of the those are the stations, and I'll, I'll briefly just stop at each of those. So became a Christian in college at, in a friend's college or in a friend's garage. Uh, one of those radical Saul of Tarsus kind of moments, reading the scriptures, mm-hmm. God opened my eyes. Um, rare, um, not recommended. That was just my story. Um, <laughs> became a Christian there. Uh, went to college in Phoenix. Um, and I was going to a, a, a small Southern Baptist uh, liberal arts college there. Nobody had ever heard of it at the time. Everybody has now. It's called Grand Canyon University. Mm. But there was a group of guys there uh, who called themselves Calvinists. Um, they hung out on the stairs. They smoked cigarettes and played chess. And, um, I found them. I found them intriguing. Um, but one of the guys that I was working with, and this is the seafood restaurant, if you're following the journey, uh, one of the guys I was working with at a seafood restaurant during our kind of downtimes between serving tables was just discipling me in the scriptures. And so he would send me home with little sheets of uh, paper with, with different passages from the Bible to read. And I, and I actually save those. I have those at, in my house. Um, and, and he was really just kind of discipling in, in what we know is, is Calvinism. Uh, kind of the reformed tradition broadly speaking and so Ephesians 2 and Romans 9 and all these passages he was just having me read so I really because my experience in the garage was much of what the scriptures told me about Calvinism I really didn't have much of a you know knee-jerk reaction to that so it became Mm -hmm. a what I would call a Calvinist in college there at the seafood restaurant and then I decided uh, as the Lord was calling me towards ministry we just we ended up in the deep south uh, in Mississippi um, and, and kind of backstepping a little bit to this point, we had largely been in kind of non-denominational churches. We were in a vineyard church. If you're familiar with the vineyard movement, we were at a Calvary church. We were at a mega church of over 10,000 people. And so that was, that was sort of the church background. And I always felt like I was a, a black sheep in those departments. I just didn't feel theologically at home um, because of the things that I had discovered from my study of scripture. And, and so when we went to uh, Mississippi uh, for me to do seminary, I, I went to the school because they had a Calvinistic position on their soteriology. So went to Reform Seminary there in Jackson, Mississippi, and that's where we uh, were introduced to Presbyterianism. Um, and it was like, it was like coming home. Uh, it was like hmm. we had found our family. Uh, it was like you know, prodigal son stuff, walked in the doors, <laughs> the father was waiting for us, he opened the Westminster Confession, embraced us, and, yeah. and, uh, oh, and, wow. and that's, that's kind of where we've been. So um, those, are, those are the three stations, really, where God kind of worked, and, and, and of course, in my seminary studies there, um, and maybe I can dabble a little bit in that here in a minute, but that's, that's where all of this was grounded leading towards kind of a full-blown reformed understanding of of the scriptures including um including pedo baptism hmm. so. so uh just to kind of add on to that so in terms of becoming more fully reformed one of the things i've talked about on past episodes of this podcast is obviously that i'm sure you would agree with is that being a calvinist is not the same as being reformed obviously right it's part of being reformed but there's a lot more to reformed theology than just calvinism um, so would you say that your time in the South was when you started to discover kind of the more, the, the some more of the aspects of Reformed theology, like covenant theology and all that kind of stuff as well? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think, yeah, I think going into my theological studies, um, I, I thought Calvinism was Reformed theology and, and really hmm. what my studies allowed for me to do was just to kind of have this, just kind of a richer, robust, more historically rooted um, view of confessions and creeds and church tradition. And um, I think for me, um, this isn't everyone's story, but um, for me, this this understanding of how the scriptures functioned was really put together in, in my covenant theology course. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, 
the the Reverend Ligon Duncan, uh, <laughs> also known as Big Lig um, at, at RTS. Um, Big Lig, you know, he just, I mean, I, I vividly, I mean, even thinking about it now, I remember going home from my covenant theology classes like my world had been turned upside down. Hmm. Um, uh, now, now, granted, I, I wasn't well versed in the scriptures, and I, I didn't grow up in them, but but I really did not have a fundamentally united view of how scripture worked, and so and and yeah. could you? Because we're, uh, I mean, most of our audience, I would say, is probably, <clears throat> and this is not a diss on our audience, just to preface that, is not you know necessarily super informed on some of this terminology that we're using. So, could you just give us in a nutshell, because I think it'll be relevant later too to the discussion about pedo baptism. Uh, could you just give us a quick description of what covenant theology is? Yeah, sure. So, um, you know, off the cuff thinking uh, here, this was not a, a planned question, mm-hmm. but I would say this. Um, for me, when I began to understand covenant theology as the God of the Old Testament is the God of the New Testament, mm-hmm. um, that began to shift my thinking, um, as well as um, the way God worked from the beginning is the way God has always worked and will continue to work to the end. Hmm. Um, kind of that just unified understanding of of god um and then applying that to the scriptures because i kind of you know you looked at this old and new testament division in a way that really undermined god and the way he worked um both in Mm. history um and in the scriptures so i think that was helpful for me awesome thank you yeah so um and i I would say well as we'll, we'll kind of get into it probably but covenant theology is uh, understanding the way that the Bible is structured by these covenants, by God's uh, relationships with his people, I think is a huge part of understanding why we believe in paedo-baptism. Um, so just to, to start moving more in that specific direction, uh, for you, because I know for me, I came from a credo-baptist background, like I think I've talked about on this show. I came from like a Southern Baptist church, and it was a big challenge for me to accept paedo-baptism. So I, I wrestled with it a lot Um and even until recently, I mean, even, even while I was working at a Presbyterian church, it was still something I wrestled with for a while. Um, so for you, was it a, a big challenge to accept paedo-baptism as biblical, or was it something that just came naturally to you? Um, probably somewhere in between that. So it was not a huge struggle for me, and, and really I think the reason why is because I wasn't spoon-fed um, a particular set of doctrines for my whole upbringing. Mm-hmm. Um and uh, so I really didn't have to overcome that. So I, um, so there was that. Um, but I also don't, I don't think it came naturally. Mm-hmm. Um, I had been around, you know, broad evangelical churches for a while to this point. And so certainly infant baptism was, was new territory for me. Um, I did not have children at the time. So that, that um, really became a factor later down the road for me. Mm-hmm. When we had children. Raise the stakes. Yeah, a little bit, a little bit. Um, and so I think, you know, I think a combination of not having this steeped history of being fed a particular set of doctrines, along with usually operating in the theoretical realm without children of my own, um, when those things kind of came to a head, I think that was that was the thing that really changed things for me. Okay, awesome. Well, so... To kind of get at the heart of it, if someone were to come up to you, let's say Josh came up to you on the street and he was like, hey, listen, I think pedobaptism is dumb. I think you're dumb. Why should I believe in pedobaptism? What I know, I know, Josh, you're much kinder than that. I know you wouldn't actually say I was going to say I'm more harsh than that. But oh, I okay. <laughs> well, I can't swear on the podcast, Josh, okay? Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I thought uh, so, I was the one that had that problem. <laughs> So, so what would you say to someone who comes up to you and, and you're just going to give them the basic biblical case. They've grown up in a credo Baptist setting. So they believe that only adults who have made a profession of faith should be baptized. Why should they believe that the children of believers should also be baptized? Yeah. Um, well, I think I'd probably enter that conversation realizing I'm not going to persuade somebody, uh, that quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, you sure. know, I, I think, I think the way I would begin that conversation is to uh, really hover around the things that we actually agree on. Mm -hmm. Um, Because, um, you know, 
this is an important issue. I, I'm passionate about it. I believe it. I've got convictions about it, but it's not an ultimate issue. Okay. Um, yeah. I think, you know, I think there are, there are close, close handed things that we believe in and there are open handed things. And though this is very important, I think this would be an open handed thing. Yeah. Not um, a, not a gospel issue. Yeah. Right. Right. So I think, I think I would enter that conversation like that. Um, but when I want to convince them of my position on yeah. some things, um, I think I would probably begin um, by just teasing out an understanding of how they view um, the way God has worked in history. Um, so I think, you know, typical American way is we th- we really think God is, is pretty much American. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. Uh, we we kind of think he, he lives by the principles of, you know, capitalism and entrepreneurialism and, uh, you know, Bill of Rights and those kinds of things. And um, I, I think one of the one of the best things that that we can begin to do is to stop viewing the way God works and the way scripture works uh, through Western eyes. Mm-hmm. And, Amen. Um, you know, so I think. I think a lot of that has to do with that. That's how I would begin. And how do you think those misconceptions play out when it comes to baptism specifically? So what do you think maybe we miss uh, that leads Western Christians to lean more towards credo baptism? Yeah. So the thing that, that Western eyes love about credo baptism is this idea uh, that what matters most is the individual. Hmm. Um, And so the, the, the thing that we celebrate about a, a, a new believer being baptized, which, by the way, we believe should happen um, and, and should be celebrated, um, is that we primarily think uh, that the, the act of baptism is about what the individual has done. Hmm. Um, and so when we, when we begin to think about that, and then you connect that to a young child uh, who has done nothing— um, it's it's hard to make that connection. So mm-hmm. um, you know, I think I think credo baptism in, in good in good motive and good desire long to celebrate somebody coming to faith and making a profession and, and all these things. Right. Um, and, and and they look at the the child being baptized and they f- they fail to see that, and so essentially it becomes irrelevant yeah and so i think <clears throat> i've heard at, at the baptist churches i was involved with the way they define baptism is the, i remember because this phrase was burned into me uh it's an outward expression of an inward change so they view baptism as a, it's a way of expressing our commitment to jesus right and josh would i don't know would you say that's more or less the understanding you've you have or have grown up with or yeah, I'll say. Well, I'll say it this way. I'll say that's the that's the way that I've been been commonly taught. I'll kind of I'll reveal my hand a little bit uh, later when we talk about it. Okay. But yeah, like even even the church that I worked at, um, you know, prior to where I am now, they they talked he about. You shall not be named. <laughs> well, I can't throw yeah. shade because I kind of yeah. dissed them in one of our episodes, so I'm not trying to burn any bridges. Anyway. Um, <laughs> But they, how they talked about it was like, oh, now that you're a new believer, this is your first step in obedience. Like, if you don't get this right, then, you know, you're not going to get anything right kind of thing. So, yeah, Yeah. basically an outward expression, letting people know, like, I've made this decision. This is my public proclamation of faith kind of thing. And Yeah, and so I think one of the things, and Adam, maybe if you have something to add on to this or you want to modify it or whatever you think about this, feel free to say, but... One of the the radical shifts for me coming around to pedo baptism was going from thinking bapti- thinking of baptism as an expression of my faith uh, to thinking about it as a seal of God's promise. And so, thinking of baptism, it's not it's not expressing what I've done or what I'm doing, but it's expressing it's an expression of God of what He's doing and what His promises are. And so, I think. I think that's like a fundamental difference that we would have in understanding baptism between credo Baptists and pedo Baptists. Would, would you say that's pretty much in line with, with what, with your thinking or how would you put it? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think, I think that is frequently the, the framework that that's, that that's put in. And, 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 and let me be clear. I mean, we believe that, that, that people should, profess belief mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. and people mm-hmm. that profess belief ought to be baptized um 
but the the thing people are looking for in baptism um, is is not what it says about the individual. Uh, from our perspective, it would be what it says about God's pursuit of that individual. Sure. Yeah, and so so baptism serves more as a sign of God's promises to those who put their faith in Him, uh, rather than a sign of someone's faith. That's right. Right. That's right. And so um, maybe we can touch on this a little bit since we're talking about kind of God working the same throughout all of Scripture, throughout all of history. How would you say that baptism in the church today uh, relates to circumcision in the Old Testament? I was just going to ask that. <laughs> you read my mind. <laughs> so, so that's the softball question. Yeah. I appreciate yeah, that it one. Is. You're Andy, welcome. you set me up there. You're put, welcome. Put it on the tee. Let me see if I can at least hit a double. Um, <laughs> baseball <laughs> reference, not hockey, boys. Um, All right. I'll figure it out. <laughs> um, What's so, baseball? <laughs> so the, uh, the connection with the old... So here's, here's you know, God has always, um, throughout history... Um, associated his works of salvation with signs. Mm-hmm. Um, and so mm-hmm. in the Old Testament, there, there were a number of signs, uh, but kind of the, the uber sign of all signs was the sign that he gave to Abraham. So Abraham was a man, you can read this in Genesis 12 and 15 and 17. Uh, Abraham was one man whom God made a promise to. And he said, I'm going to make a great nation out of you and you're going to bless the nations. And so uh you know, we would believe that that, that was the promise of, of salvation and life offered to this man that was received by faith alone. Mm-hmm. Um, and accompanying that promise was a sign, and the sign was circumcision. And the sign was to be placed on all adult males belonging to that community, along with their children eight days old. Mm-hmm. And so... Without getting into gritty detail, circumcision only uh-huh. applied to males in the Old Testament. And if you don't know what that is, look it up. Yeah. Don't or, ask us. Or don't. Just or don't, don't use yeah, Google Images. That's a good point. <laughs> Be careful looking that up. That could get dicey. That's right. So in the Old Testament, it was applied only to males and to young male children. Um, and it was the sign of belonging to the visible community of belonging to God. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, fast forward many years, there were other signs. You think of Noah and the... And the and the rainbow, uh, but you come, you fast forward to the New Testament. Um, Jesus comes, and um, and there's there's a new sign given in the early years of Jesus's earthly ministry. He's baptized with water. Uh, the, the the heavens open above and said, "This is my Son with whom I am well pleased." Um, Colossians two is two, two verse twelve is one of the verses that we connect to, to circumcision and baptism, mm-hmm. and so essentially the New Testament affirms that the old sign circumcision has now been replaced with a new one, water baptism. Yeah, and you could almost—I don't know if you would—if if you would disagree with this, please correct me. But the way that I would almost see that is uh, baptism. While it's the same promise and the same covenant, like the same promise that God made to Abraham is the same promise we have in Jesus as Christians, uh, the the change in sign is almost representative of the new way the promise is being given in the church. Because circumcision, uh, in addition to only being given to males, was kind of an ethnic marker for Israel, whereas baptism then expands so that the sign can be received by anyone. You don't have to be an Israelite to receive the sign, or a man, or a certain age, or... Would you, would you agree that the, the sign change is kind of a representative of the expansion in the church? That's absolutely right, Andy. So so there are certainly things that were continuous, and we would say that the sign was continued to be applied to both believers and their children, but there are things that changed about the sign, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was now to be applied to females. Um, it was now uh, to be, it was, it was now not just ethnic israelites it was now to be applied to believing gentiles mm-hmm. so yeah there mm-hmm. are things that that were continuous and the same but also things that were differentiated and and distinct um from the old sign yeah josh do you have any as as the resident credo baptist in this episode <laughs> do you have any initial thoughts that how, how you would push back on that or any questions about that no it's it's really funny i i'm getting tickled that I keep being called the resident credo Baptist because I don't, <laughs> I, I'm i not quite sure if that is necessarily the right label for me. Cause I, I mean, okay. I, like I know, like I know the argument that is being made and I follow it 
and I would I would also articulate it like it makes it makes perfect sense. Mm-hmm. Um, but if I'm honest, the reason I say I don't know if I can fully call myself a credo Baptist is because like I think that we see like as a physical example we see credo baptism happen in the bible and like mm-hmm. i don't know any stories of 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 like uh pedo baptism however uh however the like the covenant like i like i've shared before i like covenant theology and so i yeah. think the covenant theology in that line of thinking and like i think it tracks it makes sense so i yeah. see both sides and so my stance on it is like uh, kind of like what um, he was saying earlier. It's like one of those open hand issues. So yeah. I don't want to say I I don't want to say I don't care because that's not right, but or like not true. Uh, but like I would like maybe lean more towards uh, credo baptism um, mm-hmm. as a believer. But if somebody's baptized as a child, I'm also not going to lose my stuff about it either because like yeah. I get it and it makes sense and like I'd support it. <laughs> so okay, I guess I does that you. make me a pedo Baptist? Like what? I don't I think, know. <laughs> I think you know maybe you're on the fence, which is good. <laughs> yeah. Maybe we'll sway you. Let me push you over the fence, Josh. Um, <laughs> do it. So, do it. Do it. Um, so one of the things I think a lot of people you know that have read the Bible, and and I know you have, Josh. Uh, I think we've what's heard the Bible? About these ba- <laughs> <laughs> we've heard about baptism, and and there certainly are examples of of new believers being baptized as adults. Um, so, sure. which is, which is something, but, but I think, um, it, and, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I, you know, I, I don't know. I haven't looked it up lately, but I, I'm pretty sure there are seven baptisms in, uh, recorded in the new Testament and five okay. out of those seven are what we call household baptisms. Um, okay. and so for instance, we'll use Lydia, the seller of purple goods. Uh, she's converted she becomes a Christian, so this is an adult fully, you know, acknowledging her need um, uh, for Christ and what He's done. She becomes a Christian, and immediately her household is baptized. Now, what the New Testament doesn't say is, you know, who was in her household. Um, sure. You know, if if there's five examples of this, you know, this is a, again, it's an argument from silence. I get it, uh, but the assumption is there were some young children in in one of those homes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, you know, so so so. You know, I'd encourage listeners to, to really think through because if I mean, just allow me just a, f- a few minutes. I hope I'm not hogging time, but you're good. I mean, if no, you're you good. Know, if you're you know, if you're a, a, an, an Israelite by by ethnicity, you've you've known the Old Testament scriptures, you've been a Jew, you've ra- been raised in the synagogues, you know, all these things, you know how God has worked in history, you know, your Bible, all these things. And, uh, you know, Jesus comes, there's a new sign, all these things are happening. If your children have always belonged to that community, um, if things were going to change, like if, if God were going to say, hey, you know, there's a new sign, baptism is, not, is now the new thing, and there's new people that it should be applied to, my, my thinking is that God would have said something in the Bible. Mm, like, sure. Like, you know, generation after generation after generation has always included children in this community. They've always had the sign on them. Like, in my mind, the argument from silence is one of the strongest arguments. Because if I'm a, if I'm an Israelite really steeped in the Old Testament, like, if God's going to change the way things operate, I'm thinking he's going to put a verse in there somewhere. Yeah. Like, he, it you. seems like that's the kind of thing he would mention. Right. That, right. that oh, children aren't <laughs> included anymore. Right. Yeah. Right. That makes a lot of no, sense. No, that's right. that doesn't make a lot of sense. And I'll, this is a little bit off topic, but still right there. I think imagine being like one of the first generation like Israel uh like boys that God's like, "Hey, baptism's a thing now." That kid was probably so excited like, "Oh, thank God." Like <laughs> there's a new sign. <laughs> Praise the Lord. No more circumcision. Yeah. No more circumcision. <laughs> Unfortunately, circumcision has continued. Well, maybe not enough. I don't know if it's unfortunate, but besides that you know, yeah. not Sorry, as a sign, a little, but just people A little off base, but I thought it was funny. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's pretty funny, man. Um, so, right. Adam, I, I kind of want to play devil's advocate for a minute, if I may. Not Please. in the literal sense. Our disby friends don't get triggered. Um, <laughs> I'm not I'm not in cahoots with the... You're the one. Antichrist, Andy. Oh, gosh. Um, so... One of the one of the I think more powerful arguments for credo baptism that I've heard 
that I would love to hear your take on is uh, an argument that's specifically rooted in Jeremiah 31, and also I believe it's Hebrews 8, they kind of go to in the New Testament, uh, talking about the nature of the New Covenant, how the New Covenant is better than the Old Covenant because now, uh, you know, God is with all of his people. And so there's this idea that there's more of a purity uh, than there was in the Old Covenant. And that's why children who have not yet made a profession of faith shouldn't be baptized uh, so, hmm. so how do you see that working as far as the nature of the new covenant and kind of the purity of the church? Uh, do you, how would you respond to that kind of argument? I've got one question. Have you ever baptized somebody who proved to not be a Christian? <laughs> hmm. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> so, you know, <laughs> as much as we want to guard who belongs to the church, the reality is we are mere men who don't know the people's hearts. Mm-hmm, and right. so we do the best of our judgment. And as with our children, you know, one of the, one of the kind of phrases I like to really use a lot is that we presume our children are believers until they prove otherwise. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, as, as much as I, um, I really resonate with the, the baptistic desire to keep the sacrament and the church pure. The reality is, They've baptized people who have proven to not truly be believers. Mm-hmm. Sure. So, um, you know, so, I mean, it just, it just, it just cuts the argument at the knees. Yeah. Um, because the reality is we would baptize nobody. Yeah, that's true. If we, <laughs> so, um, to, to kind of add on to this question. So we we're talking about household baptism earlier. You mentioned in Acts and other places in the New Testament, there's mention of household baptisms uh, and if, if we're baptizing the children of believers, should unbelieving adults in the households of believers also be baptized? Or why not? If not. Um, unbelieving adults of believers. I, so, so I, like I if, need to know a scenario. On that. So, for example, if the head of the household is a believer. And they've got like adult children and, who won't move out and get jobs on their Yeah, own. exactly. Cool. <laughs> they're not believers. Should they be baptized? Got it. Um, so the... The answer is actually yes. Hmm. Um, baptism belongs to the household, mm-hmm. based on so our, our our understanding is is headship. So you know somebody who's you know sleeping on the couch and dad's still paying the bills belongs to his headship. Mm-hmm. And so because we don't think anything saving is happening through baptism, we would say bring them into the visible community and around the good news about Jesus. Mm. Um, but really where that, where that kind of stops, you know, you know, the, the record hits the, the streak there, um, is, is adult believing children, um, who don't have jobs and live at home still probably don't want to receive baptism. Yeah. So if, if they were to make a negative <laughs> profession, you wouldn't like try to force baptism That's right. on them. That's exactly If they right. were indifferent, like a small, in some hypothetical universe, if they were indifferent, like a small child was. That's right. You would baptize, baptize them. Baptize them. But that universe probably doesn't exist. That's right. So. So one of the other <laughs> questions that, that I've had asked. Yeah. That, um, is should the, um, uh, so should the spouse. Hmm. Um, of an unbelief uh, or the, of a believing other spouse so so you have one spouse who's believing and others who's not belong to the church can they become members of a church hmm. should they be receive baptism and so again because the nature of our understanding is you belong to the visible community of God's people of course we would want you would want them there um, okay and so um, so I, I I mean I we could kind of get bogged down in every hypothetical scenario of course but the principle yeah. is this the sign says i i'm belonging to the the physical community now where we move beyond that is when we get to discussion which is you know podcast in a few weeks here probably on communion hmm. the lord's supper right so that's a different you wouldn't include necessarily an unbelieving uh, a spouse who's made a negative profession in that's right receiving communion that's things right. like that that makes sense right. yeah um so any any other questions from you, Josh? Any other pushback that you would offer? No. So I well, I have more so uh, a question than a pushback. I think it's interesting, um, just like really understanding. Uh, I mean, what you were just saying about you know how baptism doesn't save you. It's more so we're you know just a mark of of being in the body. It sounds like there's I mean there's a trend where people are 
uh, instead of baptizing their children, they are uh, what's it called? Not committing them, but dedicating. What, what's the word? It's dedicating. What, the word yeah, they're looking for. They're dedicating. Yeah. yeah, they're dedicating their child to the church, saying they're going to be raised. So, in your mind, is that basically like you're just doing the same thing with different words, right? That's right. So, people who dedicate their children are doing the same thing we are. They're just not going far enough. Yeah, and I they're got not you. using water. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> so I frequently, I love it. Um, I kind of troll. I'm, I'm not a big social media troll guy, but anytime <laughs> I have some Baptistic friends who, who they do dedications in their church and they'll, they'll post pictures or whatever on, on their on their social media, I always say, you know, th- just throw water on them, man. Like you're doing the same thing we're doing. Just put the water on them. <laughs> that's really, that's really funny that I never thought about it that way until like, this podcast but that's that's an interesting insight for sure yeah so 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 to kind of uh put it in a package this kind of understanding of infant baptism um so you would say as a pedo baptist as someone who holds the covenant theology you would say that baptism is a sign of belonging to the visible church right so it's not a it's not proof that you're saved it doesn't save you anything like that but it's a sign that you belong to the visible church the visible community of god um but it's also a a kind of reminder or a seal of God's promises to believers, right? To the, in a sense, to the invisible church, to those who are truly saved. Mm. So I think sometimes some people get caught up in the tension. And I think I know where you'll go with this again, kind of, we've already been there, but sometimes people will get caught up in the tension of if baptism is a sign of promises to those who are truly saved, uh, why, why would we give it to people who are just part of the visible church? And not necessarily. We don't know if they're. And um, well, I I, th- I actually don't know if I agree with your statement. Andy. Okay. So, so mm-hmm. uh, your your suggestion was that when we abat- when we baptize professing adult believers, that we know that they are quote truly saved. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say that we, to the best of our ability, have discerned that they've made a credible profession of faith. Mm-hmm. But by no means would I be so audacious as to say they are truly saved. Yeah. Um, so the distinction that we make in our circles of the visible and the invisible church, um, those boundaries are determined by God. Yeah. So we mm. make distinctions on who belongs to the visible church, um, professing adults based on a credible profession. We're having a membership class tomorrow. Andy's supposed I'm to be I'm going. There. So <laughs> we'll, Good job, have Andy. Intervie- we'll have Thanks. interviews, you know, to the best of our ability, our elders will interview those individuals and say, Hey, to the best of our ability, we're discerning that you're a believer. Mm -hmm. Um, But the distinction is made between the, I mean, the invisible church is the universal elect people of God. We don't know who that is. Yeah. And so, you know, again, it kind of goes back to that Baptistic argument. Mm -hmm. It's like, you know, to the best of my ability, I think Andy's a believer. Uh, But at the end of the day, if he walks away from the faith and, and he proves otherwise, you know, no, no guilt on my conscience for, you know, receiving him, he's already yeah. been baptized, but if, if we baptized him as an adult. Um, so I think, I think those are categories that we just need to be really sensitive and careful mm-hmm. with. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we're, we're humans. This yeah. is an earthly church. So our, the signs that we're responsible are for the visible church, not for the invisible church. That's right. That's yeah. Right. And yeah, I think you're right. It, it goes back to that Jeremiah 31, Hebrews 8 kind of argument again. Like if we're if you're going to make that argument, you can't baptize anyone because you don't know if anyone's saved. That's right. That's right. I have I have one more question. And it might be it might be too big um let's hear to it. I want to hear it. I'm excited. Here. Well, I just I just want to know like so uh cuz I genuinely don't know the answer to this question. From your guys's perspective, then uh as far as uh f- forms not the right word either, but like the way you carry out baptism, like is is submersion off the table or sprinkling is like the only way to do it? Does it not matter? Like, what are the what are your thoughts on that? Throw it down, Andy. Come on. I was actually just reading about this the other day to prepare for this episode, <laughs> um, and Adam can probably offer a much more meaningful answer than I can. But um, I was reading, I, and I'm not authoritative enough to cite myself, so I was <laughs> reading a book by John Murray, which I'd highly recommend. This I'll put a link to this book in the show notes, but. I was Perfect. reading a book by John Murray called Christian Baptism, and it's a great it's a great book if you're in, if you're curious about paedo baptism you want to learn more it's a great little it's a short little book I don't even think it's a hundred pages, 
and he was he was doing a survey basically in the first chapter of how uh, the words which are translated baptism or related to what we translate to baptism are used throughout the Bible through the Old mm-hmm. Testament and the New Testament. And that the evidence actually overwhelmingly does not support the idea that the words only mean immersion. Actually, many of the, many of the cases where those words are used, uh, they are certainly not immersion. Some kind of dipping or maybe sprinkling, but definitely not immersion. And there's a few cases where they, they do mean immersion or could mean immersion, but that doesn't mean they always mean immersion. And so uh, the idea that baptism in the new testament is always immersion just isn't really supported textually and even in examples of baptisms we have we don't actually know if they were full immersion in the new testament so for example one one example that people like to use is the the eunuch that philip baptized in acts and it says that he went they went down into the water and then they came back up out of the water and a lot of times baptists will point to that and be like oh see he went down into the water he was immersed but the text actually says that they both went down into the water <laughs> and they both came up. So that must mean then that Philip also went underwater with the eunuch or it just means they stepped down into the water. Sure. And so so I think it's actually when you look at the textual evidence, it's pretty clear that uh, immersion, while it might be how baptism is done in some cases, certainly isn't how it's done in all cases. Sure. Sounds pretty authoritative Any, to me. <laughs> <laughs> Anything to add? Uh, <laughs> Sorry, I get passionate when uh, I... Uh, he, he read more than I did this week. So. All it, all Good it job, takes Andy. is one chapter of a book, and I think I'm an expert. So. <laughs> there you go. No, I think that's right. But here, let me let me just piggyback on that and tell Andy that uh, I don't think, you know, I don't think the Bible mandates... Uh, I don't think it's very clear that we must do it one way or another mm-hmm, full sure. immersion or sprinkling um i think i think the bible allows that those margins of uncertainty for practical reasons perhaps there's not always yeah. enough water uh, we we meet in a you know in a school um and so sprinkling works well for us um yeah I think, I, think, I think there is some good symbolism behind um you know there's old testament background to sprinkling on the altar the people of god those kinds of things mm-hmm. um but but i'll i'll be the first one to admit um, i don't think the bible's explicitly clear nor mandates that one form or the other um, is the way uh to baptize an individual yeah sure awesome. sweet yeah good job thanks <laughs> <laughs> so josh are you a convinced pedo baptist now or I don't know. It is. Away? It is a pretty. Uh, it's a pretty solid argument. I like. I said. I do like it. And I. I mean. I'm definitely like on the fence. It's almost yeah. now like I want to. I'm interested to see what Marty has to say when yeah. we record the the other episode about when baptism. We record the credo baptism episode. Dun 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 dun. I'm gonna be all alone on that one. Ooh. Bring I'll, your bring your posse, Josh. I'll have, text. Yeah. Them I'm just gonna be like, yeah. Chastin's Andy over, sucks. That's my Chastin's argument. Over here, like. Pumping me up. Just I'm gonna. Uh, <laughs> I'm gonna text. Rubbing I'll be texting Adam while we're recording that episode. <laughs> so I'll be like, Adam, hey, Adam he, he said baby this. What's my response? <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'll have to do. Um, uh. Yeah. So, so any uh, closing thoughts, Adam? Anything that you maybe wanted to get out in this episode that you didn't, or man, or anything like that? No. I mean, I think uh, you know, I I'm not a you know, we're, I'm Presbyterian, so experience, you know, we, we always undermine that. But, like, <laughs> having children of my own mm-hmm. did change this a, a little bit. Um, not because I just wanted, like, cute pictures of my kids, you know, getting water on them with the pastor. But, like, something, <laughs> something changed when I began to think about how God related to my children. Hmm. Okay. And how I, how I would teach them about that. And one of the things that's, that's kind of bothered me bothered i don't know i don't lose sleep over it but um (laughs) one of the things that i've always been curious about i guess is the inconsistency of the of the credo baptist in the way they raise their children basically as though they're believers Hmm. um as though they belong to the church and so you know at the end of the day i've got a lot of a lot of lot of friends brothers sisters who 
are, are on 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 opposite views on this with me, and I love them, um, and I like to jab at them. Um, but I, I do think I, I think this is a very important thing for us to think through. Um, I think this this really fills in our understanding of the church and the role the church has in the life of us as individuals, but also our children. We have lots of kids at our church, and um, I just love the the vision um, that and and the picture that that uh, baptism depicts. So anyway, just cl- closing thoughts there. Just thinking about my own kids, and I had the privilege of baptizing two out of three of them. I wasn't ordained uh, when I when my first child was born, but um, hmm. yeah, those are some closing thoughts for me. Awesome, thanks, Josh. Any uh, closing thoughts on your end? No, except like. Thank you so much for your time, Adam. Uh, it's been awesome, and it was great to meet you, and I'm excited to uh, we'll have to have you on more often. Yeah, man. Yeah, we'll have you on for some other... Anytime I feel like I'm not ready to... Sounds good. ...to take it on, I'll, I'll invite you. That's cool. We'll, <laughs> have, to, we'll, we'll have to do, we'll have to do uh, an episode about <clears throat> about salvation. That'll be a fun one. I'll, <laughs> I'll talk about sin as a vocational issue, and then we'll go from there and see what happens. Oh, He's a big N.T. Wright fan. <laughs> okay, cool. He's oh, a big N.T. Wright fan. Huge N.T. Wright yeah, fan. Like, all he talks about is N.T. Wright. Is that right? <laughs> right on. Yeah, and my N.T. wife Wright. cries, like, why do you talk about him and not me? Just kidding. That's not true. But. <laughs> yeah, that's what's at. All right, man. I'd love, I'd love to come back, and anything but a hockey edition I'll, I'll, I'll get involved with. All right, well, you have to at least admit that the Washington Capitals are better than the Avalanche, don't, just for my ego. Before, where, where are the Avalanche from? The Avalanche Colorado. From Denver. Oh, so I'll pick up by location. Uh, Southwest, Denver. All, uh, there we go. Dang it. All right, he's Dang rooting it. for the Avalanche. But I'm actually, right. I'm, on all, I'm on all things Pittsburgh fans. So he is, so you're I a Penguins fan. should be a Penguins fan. So neither of us like you then. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I do. I, I have a the dig. Dead Gwyn's t-shirt where like it's the Pittsburgh Penguin logo, but it has a like the Penguin's dead and it has a hockey stick in it. Wow, I do own that's that pretty, t-shirt. Pretty harsh, serious. It goes harsh, against man. my it goes against my non-violent uh, convictions and tendencies. So it's pretty weird. <laughs> Whoa, yeah. Okay, that's yeah. another episode. That's another episode. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much for listening to this episode of Theology Doesn't Suck. Uh, hopefully, you've gotten something out of it. If you have children and they're not baptized, go get that done. Uh, <laughs> and uh, if you have any questions, comments, if you have a question for Adam, for Josh, or for myself, you can reach us at theologydoesn'tsuck.com on the contact us page. Uh, also, you can follow us on Instagram. Instagram. Which, uh, it's, it's at theologydoesn'tsuck. Pretty simple. Uh, we will sometimes look at messages on there, but if you want to reach us, the website's the best way. Uh we hope you will join us next week and until then sayonara eat some pizza and baptize your children